Anyway, it's fine. I just watched this movie. Wait, what was that? I can't remember the, the how the song. No, went. what was the song? Hush, hush, sweet Charlotte. You're singing it. Sing it again. <laughs> I'm in the movie when they they keep singing it, and I was like, "Hush, hush, hush sweet Charlotte. Oh, don't you cry? Something like that." But I don't I don't have the tune right. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode. <laughs> Oh. I hate you so much. Oh my god! <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to another embarrassing episode for me <laughs> of mutants, slayers, and Jedi. Oh my! Oh my! <laughs> I'm not sorry, but I'll say I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sure you're not. <laughs> so, Giselle, if the beginning of that didn't give it all away, what are we talking about today? Today, we are talking about Hush, Hush, Sweet Charlotte. Hush, Hush, Sweet Charlotte. Mm. Which was pretty much a direct follow-up to whatever happened to Baby Jane. Yeah, the spiritual sequel, if you will. Yes. And it was even supposed to star. Let's start. Let's, we'll, 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 we'll circle back to that. Yeah. I want to start with... When did you first hear about this movie? This movie, I heard about it probably, I would say, early to mid-teens, just like Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. And I watched it after Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. I enjoyed it. I definitely saw similarities. The same director, of course. Same stylistic choices. Man, that's how I saw the same cast. Yeah, (laughs) repeats of the cast. (laughs) And and I'm glad I watched it in that order, too. Oh, God, you know what? Looking back on it, I must have been watching uh, TCM. Is that it? Turner Classic? Yes, Turner Classic Movies. They must have been doing a special that day because they brought up a little bit of the backstory, but they didn't go too deep into it. So I got a little soupçon of that. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But how about yourself? Um, I think I, yeah, I saw it probably somewhat after whatever happened to Baby Jane. Mm-hmm. I think it was a while, like, okay. a, a distance between the two of them. Um, not realizing that there was, like, any sort of oh. opportunity that Joan Crawford and Betty Davis were ever going to work together again. Ooh. So watching it, like, I found out about a lot of the drama and then watched it. And I was like, oh, oh. And Olivia de Havilland... We'll talk about her. Um, <laughs> but I think it, it's interesting to see that they were going to have, they were going to try and work together again after having such a terrible time mm-hmm. working together the first time. But I think money at the end of the day wins out most of the time. It didn't win out this time, but most of the time. Oh, wins out. hell yeah. So watching it this time around, did it hold up for you? Or is it, I mean, compare, we're going to compare and despair between this and whatever happened to BB yeah. Jane, I think. Make, I think making those comparisons is inevitable. Obviously, same directors. And really, it was meant to be the spiritual sequel, the fact that it was intended to have almost an identical cast to yeah. BB Jane. It does hold up for me because the way I felt about it when I watched it the first time, it's pretty much the same way I feel about it now. Frankly, between the two, I do prefer Baby Jane. But this one, I think, has so much going for it. It has that Southern Gothic atmosphere, and I'm such a sucker for that. Like I'm always like, oh, it's going to take place in this old dilapidated mansion. I'm in. Sign me I'm up. In. Great gardens it up. Let's go. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What was your experience watching it again? Um, it's funny because I think the first time I saw it, I thought it was really great. I thought cinematically it was beautiful and really intriguing and different. This time it wasn't as good as the first time. It's really still very good. Oh, absolutely. Um, but I think for me, like comparing it directly right after watching whatever happened to baby Jane, yeah. I was really doing a lot of like, Oh, uh, you know who would have done a really good job in this? Joan Crawford. It's an, as I said, it's, <laughs> 
unfortunately, it's inevitable, especially for us just now, because we just watched Baby Jane and talked about it. I mean, everybody should know by now. Okay, so Joan Crawford was originally signed on to play this role instead of Olivia de Havilland. Mm -hmm. And what happened was that Joan Crawford basically, I think, was faking being sick, basically, Mm -hmm. to try and weasel her way into getting a bigger paycheck because Betty Davis had signed on, I think, to be a producer and was getting a lot more points and a lot more money for what she was doing for the movie itself. And Joan Crawford was... A, I think, embarrassed, and B, just wanted more cash. Yeah, um, um, there was there was a lot of that power playing continuing their legacy <laughs> uh, with who was going to get the bigger paycheck, who was going to get their name billed first. And then you'll see it in Feud, too, even getting... Okay, so once Joan was, like, off the project and everyone was fucking tired of her and the crew was sort of turned against her by Betty Davis a little bit, too. Mm-hmm. There was, a, I mean, there's a lot of animosity between Absolutely. these two women. But even getting Olivia de Havilland to come back, because she had done one of these sort of movies before, and she's like, I'm not a fan, I'm good. Like, I'm all set. But she was called by her friend Betty, and they managed to wrangle her to come back and do this role. Let's talk about Olivia de Havilland. Do we think the chemistry between Olivia and Betty is as strong as as the chemistry between Joan and Betty? Honestly, I don't. And I feel terrible saying that because I think Livia de Havilland did a great job, especially towards the third act when you see more of her character's intentions. That's when I went, ooh, Olivia, okay. (laughs) I was really into it. But there's that, ironically, this undeniable chemistry between Joan Crawford and Betty Davis. Not just the chemistry, but this tension that is palpable. It's unfortunate that we got to miss out on that. But yeah, I like their chemistry, but I'm, I'm so sorry. I think... It was better with Joan Crawford, the irony, right? I know. I think I'm, I'm absolutely in the same boat as you. And I think a lot of it, I don't want to blame the script, but I think some of it does fall onto the script. I think some of it, Olivia is sort of let down by the lack of character development right. for her. And some of the things that we sort of had to fill in the blanks and why is there so much hate between these two women? Mm-hmm. And like, we don't really understand it. And it's still like, even after watching it, I was like, Oh, it's a little still unclear as to what the problem, you know, like, I mean, you kind of get it kind of understand it's about money and her popularity and right. her feeling okay. And her being beaten down by this. I almost wanted more of it. Though. No, totally. Like, I'm going to say right now, there's going to be a lot of comparisons with Baby Jane, so just be prepared for that. Because in Baby Jane, it was laid out in front of us why these two women would feel the way they do about each other. And there were some things that may have been confusing, but then towards the third act, you went, oh, okay, okay, that that fills in that piece, that fills in this piece, got it. Whereas in this one, a lot of it, you had to surmise on your own. Plus you have the, the problem, I think, with, I mean, sibling rivalry is so familiar. Yeah. That you don't have to fill in a lot. You can just be like, oh, yeah. Like, you know, like one sibling is earning more money than the other, doing more, has more power, more popularity, and then it's flip-flops, and you instantly understand why that's a problem, why that one's jealous of the other. It's a little less clear when they're cousins, and, like, one is from a poorer family but is being brought into a richer family, and you're like, just, you know. I mean, don't, like, just be perfectly thankful for everything, but, like, because that's not interesting either, but, like, (laughs) what are are we doing here? Um, So I think that, to me, the script sort of lets her down Mm -hmm. a little bit, but I also think Joan Crawford, to me, and I haven't seen a lot of Olivia de Havilland's work, so I shouldn't critique her based on just this one movie, but I think there's something that Joan Crawford added to whatever happened to Baby Jane that when you don't have it, 
you miss it. Absolutely. And I think that that's what's happening here. It's like Olivia de Havilland's not bad, especially in the third act. I think you're right. She really starts to come into her own. Really has a lot more crunchy shit to do and a lot more interesting stuff to work with. But those beginning scenes, I was like, Mm, everything you're delivering is flattish and not great. Yeah, it's no, I completely agree because have we always wind up talking about Jump Robert in every I know, it's so fun. Well, she's such an engaging, interesting person and mm-hmm. such an interesting actress. And I think she, I mean, yes, uh, whatever happened to Baby Jane was like on Betty Davis's back and she carried that movie. I felt like in a big way, but like when you don't have that Joan Crawford straight person sort of to counterbalance and to act off of and she's giving you everything with nothing mm-hmm. like she's giving you everything with very little and that's the strength in that actress and in that yeah. role and Olivia Havilland's just not doing that absolutely and even though I think Betty Davis may have been the more versatile actress Joan Crawford had this undeniable presence about her she's the one you would look at if she was on that screen yeah. Your eyes went towards her. I, okay, so something I did after I watched this movie again is I rewatched the clips of Jessica Lange as Joan Crawford, the scenes they did film for Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte. <laughs> kind oh, of God. like, <laughs> that was fun. Talk about like different levels of like an inception level <laughs> of fiction right there. I could not help but superimpose that in my head because there's a presence there that, as you said, I, I missed it. It's really interesting, too. I think the only shot of Joan Crawford that remains in the movie is, funnily enough, of the taxi cab driving up to the house. And then it's Olivia de Havilland again right. stepping out. Yeah, I think um, we'll go through it, but we'll, I think a lot of it's going to be me going, I kind of want to, I would love to have seen Joan Crawford do this. I know I said this before, but it's ironic how they felt about each other. But I think with that being said, because they had that animosity, that's why that chemistry was there. And that's why they played off each other so fucking beautifully yeah it's a it's passion whether it's hate or love it's like there it is right there exactly so i wanted to talk about velma really briefly um and we'll talk about her more because she's in this movie a lot um and or not enough (laughs) depending on your point of view i think um agnes moorhead more uh, better known from bewitched and she's great Oh, she's, she's actually one of my favorite parts, if not the favorite part of this entire movie. Oh, she is my favorite character in this movie. So I get, I mean, that's basically all I want to say about her. Yeah, I just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, she's fabulous. And I'm, um, we'll talk more about her as we run through. But are you ready? Are you ready to get started? Yes. Okay. So the opening set we see, it opens on a, on a plantation and an old man. So... Instantly I stopped because this old man, is he familiar to you? Um, a little bit, yeah. A little bit. So this old man who plays Charlotte's dad is from Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Yeah. And he's um, playing a very different role in this movie. <laughs> and um, yeah, so there he is. And he's doing a pretty good job. I think he's yeah. fine. He's like yelling at this guy in his office. Um, and he would rather have sooner been one of his field boys. It's very, like, racist. <laughs> yeah. Definitely gives you a little glimpse into the life of Louisiana during Prohibition. Yeah, it's rough. Yeah. And then, so, Charlotte and this is Jewel Mayhew's husband, and they had an affair. So, Charlotte's dad wants to, like, kill him, basically. And they're talking in Charlotte's dad's office, 
And Charlotte's dad tells him about his own father and how he made, like, his plantation success. And he doesn't have a son, only Charlotte. And he created both his land and his daughter. And this started to get real creepy and weird to me. And this man won't have either of them. Like, he's real creepy. It's um, dated. This is dated. Dated, (laughs) yes. Oh, by the way, the young man, John Mayhew, is played by Bruce Dern, who is the father of Laura Dern. Yeah. And still working a lot. Yeah. Go for it, man. Bruce Dern, all the way. Um, So Charlotte's dad laughs at him when he says Charlotte's not a little girl. And Charlotte and him are going to meet during the dance and then run away together to Baton Rouge and, I guess, start a life. But he's married and whatever. The father says about that, no. He tells John Mayhew, this is what you're going to do. You're going to break it off with her. That night at the dance, you're going to whisper something else to her rather than, like, let's Mm -hmm. run away together. Exactly. And then Jewel had apparently, Jewel Mayhew, um, had come over last night to talk to Charlotte's dad. So I guess they're talking. More will be revealed, obviously. We're Mm -hmm. just at the start. So there's a lot of question marks happening. Yeah. So we cut to the dance, and John Mayhew and apparently Charlotte are dancing together, but not really. And her friend, Miriam... I guess her cousin, Miriam, is looking yeah. for her. And it's unclear. It's unclear at it's, first. It's unclear. The first time I watched it, I was a little confused because, yes, we're seeing everyone younger version. It's this young girl. We eventually go, oh, okay, that was Miriam. She's like, I have to tell Charlotte something. It's very weird casting, too, because she doesn't really look like Olivia de Havilland. Nor does she look like Joan Crawford, if that was when it was. Yeah, you know what she's I mean, a blonde. And I was like, what's this? <laughs> what is this? Yeah. And, like, both. I mean, Olivia de Havilland's hair comes across as darker. This girl's like a toehead. Like, she has blonde hair. Yeah. So, Miriam is looking for Charlotte, and then we see Charlotte crying, and John saying he really loved her at one time. So, this is weird to me. Okay, so they, like, really carefully filmed this, so they never get a really good shot of Charlotte's face, because it's supposed to be Betty Davis. Right. And so, but it's also weird, because it's clearly Betty Davis's voice coming out of this much younger woman. It's funny because I think in this initial scene when we first see Charlotte, I think it is actually Betty Davis. But later when we see her again, it is clearly a younger actress and they didn't even have her like mouth the words that she's trying to say, which is it made me cackle a little bit. No, it's hilarious because they thought like her face was enough darkness that it would cover, but it was like, no, we can see her face. It's like guys. whoever was in charge of filming kind of dropped the ball that day. Yeah, because the cinematography in this, and we'll talk about it, is really strong. Oh, so it's very surprising that, like, the, they're such rich black, black, blacks later that I'm like, what happened here, though? It's like, who, <laughs> you guys? when we were doing the editing, and the, oh, okay, okay, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's hard when everything's on film, and True. you're like, I think we got it, the dailies look good. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, who knows? But, um, so the Betty Davis dub job stuff is really funny today, it just got me up. Yeah. So... She says, I could kill you, and runs off. And that line was, like, so Betty Davis. Mm-hmm. It sounded just like whatever happened to Baby Jane, basically. Yeah. I could kill you! And I was like, okay. <laughs> we then see, like, two workers. One of them is trying to open a box with a cleaver. And Charlotte's dad is looking for Charlotte. There's a lot of shots of this dad just, like, wandering around looking for her. Yeah. Just, like, wandering. Yeah. Just, I'm like, where are you? What is this? Yeah. <laughs> uh, then the cleaver is missing, <gasps> uh, basically. Yeah. And we come back to John, who's feeling all bad. Um, and then the door opens all creepily, and there's, like, a close-up of a cleaver coming down on the wrist, chopping John's hand off. That amused me. Yeah. It was really funny. Yeah, good stuff. <laughs> I'm, like, serious. 
and then stabbing him multiple times, just like slowly. And then Charlotte enters. Okay, so that ends. So he's dead. And then Charlotte enters like this swinging jamboree dance party that's happening. And her gown is all bloodied up. And Charlotte's dad enters too from like the opposite side. And the crowd is quiet as he approaches her. He's like, come with me, Charlotte, come with me. And she's like, I won't go with you. And then she runs away. And that ends that scene. I always liked just the splash of blood just on the front. Very careful. Just like someone, whoever was in charge of effects that day, they just kind of got a paintbrush and went, all right, you're good. (laughs) You're set. Great. Walk to set. You're good. We'll talk about it later, but like also, how did it just happen right there? It It makes no sense at all. Okay. Actually, I just thought of something. What if little crazy, sad, forlorn Charlotte picked up his head and put it in her lap? And just kind of oh, and then just did like a couple of sweeping motions with it, and then yeah. put it back down. Right, just so she's like, okay, I need this blood to look very like, <laughs> gothic right now. Okay, good. All right, now right. I must be sad at my dance. <laughs> my dance. <laughs> so then we cut to 1964, mm. present quote unquote day. Not to not yesterday. <laughs> not yesterday. Not the day before yesterday. Sixty-four. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> so the house is now all creepy, and a bunch of boys are like daring one to enter the house, and they know like they have all these rumors about the cleaver and be oh, careful yeah. about the cleaver. And, yeah, because right. Charlotte has become infamous. She never went to jail, but everyone quote unquote knows that she did it. And something that cracked me up about this scene is when they're trying to bully this kid. It, they're pretty much hazing him. Yeah. And they said, if you want to be one of the spiders, you have to do this. And I thought, oh, how cute. You're a little. Oh, my God. I missed that line entirely. What happened? That's crazy. Yeah. It's like, oh, this little... Is like a little boy gang. What's yeah. Happening? Little boy gang. The spiders. I hate them. I know. Right? Okay. <laughs> I was like, oh, you all suck. Right. <laughs> so the boy enters totally freaked and he comes into the living room and like passes a chair. And this part literally like I was writing notes and my Betty Davis pops up and my pen <laughs> rolls across my entire page. It fucking freaked me out. Oh. It's like, whoa. <laughs> it's like, Betty Davis is here. What's happening? Yeah. She wakes up and is confused. And he had like opened this music box that was next to her. And she calls for John and the kids run off. And like this part's like, it's like a jump scare. But mm-hmm. then you realize like, she's not scary. She's just like, confused and sad and something's wrong and it does repeat a little bit of what they did with baby jane because she's once again wearing an antiquated outfit still living in the past but this one you definitely feel more sorry for her you can tell that she is not trying to be a harmful person just kind of got screwed well it's very much like the roles were sort of reversed like she was gonna be the more damaged exactly and more you know bedridden which One, makes sense, which makes more sense when you realize when it was originally supposed to be Joan Crawford. And Joan Crawford. so, of course, that makes beautiful sense. We're going to exactly we're going to do a switcheroo. Yeah. And it didn't work out that way. No. <laughs> um, so the kids run off and then we get like this, the Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte song, which I was trying to sing before, which turned out wonderfully. So I'm not going to try again much ever. <laughs> Which is not as good as whatever happened to Baby Jane's song. It's not. And also you have this, God, that must have been such a gruesomely long take for Betty Davis to do because we see the entirety of the opening credits with Betty Davis just crying. Standing. Looking into the middle distance with sadness. (laughs) 
It was a really long shot. Like for three, I was like, can we let Betty go? We can let Betty like, go. Can we at least okay. fade to black? Give this poor woman. I mean, she's great. She can do it, of course, obviously. But yeah. she's captivating. But like, God, I through. I'm like, she's falling asleep, guys. You got to move this along. What's Wait, happening? Come on, come on. Move on to the next. <laughs> Shut it down. Shut it Shut down. down. Shut, Shut it down. down. Yeah. So then we cut. We hard cut to like this tractor machine thing. I don't know machinery, you guys. It's shoveling the dirt away and demolishing a structure on Charlotte's land. She wakes up in bed, grabs her rifle, and it's like, damn you, damn you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she says it twice and amused me. Yeah. And then she emerges on a, bal- a balcony and she tells them to get off her property and uh, she fires at them. Yeah. And I was like, I like this. Yeah. yeah. One of them tells her that they had clearance to tear down her house and pave roads. And Charlotte throws a potted plant at him. <laughs> As you do. This shit amused me. I was like, mm-hmm. Yeah, and he same. goes to get the sheriff. And then Delma comes out and helps Charlotte back inside. And Delma tells her to go get cleaned up and have breakfast. And because the sheriff will be here in like 30 minutes, uh, Delma says she will handle him. That's sort of our, our like first introduction of, of Delma. Mm-hmm. Who's great. And just steals like every scene she's yeah, in. No question. From and fucking was, Betty Davis. I'm like, you fucking stole the scene from Betty Davis. What's I was, happening? I was shocked, but pleasantly so. Yeah. Yeah. No, Agnes Moorhead. And this scene also establishes that now the entire property is being acquired by the local whatever kind of government. Because, yes, they're building a road. They're building something to a bridge. And they've given her months of warning to, you know, get the fuck out because you, you have no control over this. You, you gotta go. Yeah, like, this land is no longer yours. Yeah. So, um, it's really weird, though. Like, she just doesn't, she's not going anywhere. Very much in denial. Yeah. Uh, We then cut to a scene where Mr. Willis is here. Mr. Wills is here to investigate the missing head and hand of, like, this old, of the old murder case. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't want to upset anyone. Wills, like, wants to meet with Jewel Mayhew. And he's, like, talking to the sheriff and great. So we're just establishing we're establishing this character. He's an English detective. He's always been fascinated by this case because at this point, the alleged murder has become infamous worldwide. This is what brought this guy to Louisiana to investigate. But he's going to pose as a reporter to not cause any suspicion. Right. And um, okay, so Charlotte has her rifle and tells Oh, so I guess, oh, so this, I'm sorry. The sheriff arrives at the property and Charlotte, like, has her rifle in hand. She, like, tells Velma to get rid of him. And, uh, tell, you know, and Velma says that she's sick. And the sheriff basically is like, no, I right, pass on that. Great. I'm coming in. So he comes in to, like, check on her or whatever. And Charlotte says that they all have to leave her alone. And Luke says that she has to be out in 10 days. And Charlotte says her cousin Miriam will know how to deal with the order um, regarding her having to leave the house. And Delma says that Miriam only looks out for herself. And Charlotte hopes that she will come. She is her only hope. So we're establishing... I mean, I guess we're establishing... It's interesting to me, though, because we really set up this combative attitude between these two women later but right now it seems like charlotte really loves miriam it's right. a very interesting complicated relationship but mm-hmm. i don't think they do enough to establish that i agree to me but it's, yeah we're, we're getting somewhere with it I, I you know i mean and you know it's a fun ride and Betty davis is great so we see miriam riding up in a taxi and then she says this line which 
It's her first line in the novel. She says, or one of her early ones, where she says, "Places that you grew up with when you were a child are supposed to seem smaller when you're an adult, or whatever." It's not a great delivery. Her char- it's a hard introduction. <laughs> For the first two acts of Miriam's character, she puts on this presence of being so sweet and nostalgic and attentive. Supposedly, I agree with you. I think it was the script. And maybe some of the direction that they didn't say, you know, try try it again. Try it this way. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's yeah. Do more. Do Joan Crawford. Yeah. Well, no, so, <laughs> be no. Joan Crawford. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's terrible to say. I like, know Olivia de Havilland is very talented, but like yeah. Joan Crawford, guys. So Charlotte is like up in her room with, and she's talking with her doctor, Dr. Uh, Bayless, about why her house is going to be torn down and there's no alternative uh, ulterior motive or method. And they need to clear the way to connect the roads and the build bridges. And Miriam Cab pulls up. Velma's like not impressed at all <laughs> by anything. And I love it. And uh, Miriam seems surprised. And then, uh, oh, Miriam pays the taxi driver and she sees Charlotte like above on the balcony hiding behind potted plants and mm-hmm. shit. And I was like, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. Charlotte, what are we doing? And then Dr. Drew comes down, he greets Miriam. And Miriam asks what trouble is going on and everything like that. And Miriam is very condescending to Velma about the cleaning. Mm. She's like, this place is a pigsty of stuff. It's great. And, you know, I almost get the animosity between Miriam and Velma right away. Yes, that's what's great. I completely agree. I noticed that on the first viewing. Okay, this relationship, I immediately understand. Yeah, it's very interesting. And they even, they, they continue to establish it so clearly and so well. It's not as well established between Miriam and Charlotte. Yeah. It's so kind of false flat. It's such a shame. I know. It's disappointing. And then Miriam goes upstairs to see Charlotte, and we see that Charlotte's, like, fixing her hair before Miriam comes in. Like, I think she wasn't expecting Miriam to come that early. She was expecting, right. like, another day or two or something. Right. Charlotte uh, sees her. Charlotte comes into... Uh, I'm sorry. Miriam sees her, and Miriam comes into the room, and they see each other, and they're smiling, and they finally hug. And It's very sweet. It's very sweet, and Miriam starts making the bed. Charlotte gets all offended because it's Velma's job. Yeah. This is a weird moment. Yeah, again. It's, they were trying to establish some weird conflict here, but it just made no goddamn sense. <laughs> no sense. And then she's like, get, and this again, it just establishes that Miriam doesn't like Velma. Yeah. And she goes, well, I mean, Velma's Velma. She's not going to make the bed. You know? And I was like, no, you're a real bitch. Yeah. <laughs> To Velma. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, what's happening? Yeah. <laughs> so Velma's like downstairs with uh, Dr. Drew. He says that she can make dinner and Drew like goes to get the keys to the cellar for a good bottle of Chablis or whatever the fuck people drink. I don't know. I'm not a drinker. <laughs> and then Velma mocks him and Velma's the best and they like her. I mean, she just like makes fun of people as they exit scenes. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, you're going to go down to the cellar oh, yeah. with the key? Like, My- <laughs> My favorite parts of this movie is whenever Velma's leaving the room and she's muttering to herself, like, you're a fucking idiot. Fuck you, fine. Make me do this. goddamn damn, you're so stupid. I just love how she has no fucks to give. It's so good. Mm-hmm. I was like, your ass would have fired anywhere else, but they all love you for right. some reason. You're going to like it. I yeah. like it a lot. So we cut to dinner that night, and Charlotte says that one... Uh, that once everything is settled, they can have dinners here again. And then, <laughs> and then Charlotte like says she rented a car for Miriam to go and fight for the house, <laughs> like go and talk to whoever they need to in Baton Rouge, I guess, or yeah. the cream or whatever. Um, but Miriam says that there's nothing to do about, like there's like, nothing to do about this it. This is done. Yeah. Like 
nothing's going. Charlie is pissed that and says that Miriam is doing nothing and that when Miriam lost her father, that Charlotte's own papa stepped in, brought her a new wardrobe and brought her into the house and blah, 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 blah. And Miriam says it was clothes that Charlotte herself wouldn't wear. And then Charlotte's like, that wasn't good enough for you? Like, and I get like, this starts to be more interesting, like mm-hmm. this stuff. And they don't really come back to it a lot. Exactly. Yeah. This is the fun stuff, more of the baby Jane stuff. Jane is saying, that's when my film picture came out and nobody saw it. <laughs> it's like more of this, please. More of this petty bickering. Yes. Yeah. I needed like this to keep escalating and then fighting over money and like bullshit yeah. about the past and like how they both can't let stuff go. Like I wanted that. And think of how interesting it would have been if they had done that, but Miriam would have maintained this ultimate sweetness of, you know, I'm sorry, you know, being the better person and whatnot, so that when she does ultimately flip in the third act, you go, oh, shit. Oh, no. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, there's like, there is a level of condescension that Miriam has towards Charlotte, Mm -hmm. and I wanted that even more. Exactly. I wanted just more. I just wanted them to have more exchanges with each other and yes. I felt like a lot of the time they were like having exchanges with other people that they just happened to like pop in on yes. and I was like nah, nah, nah. I wanted Olivia to have Lynn and Betty Davis to play off each other more Yeah, I want more of this so and then um, Charlotte says that's why Miriam came back to get money and blah 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 blah, blah. so she's blaming her for trying to get the house or something and Miriam's like I have a career I'm sad thanks and Charlotte thinks that Miriam is conspiring with Jewel Mayhew like she's just kind of gone a little bit and the same the, the same woman who Charlotte had an affair with her husband and that Miriam uh, and that Miriam told Charlotte's father so this is a new revelation that we didn't know before is that Miriam told Charlotte about the actual affair and Miriam says of course she told that she was always being told that she was lucky to be in that house and Charlotte calls her a bitch <laughs> which back then must have been so shocking <laughs> so shocking yeah uh, basically like Miriam was like he had a perfect daughter having a dirty affair with their married man and she's like yeah. <laughs> and I don't I mean I wish we kind of knew more about I'm just gonna keep saying that I just wish we knew more yeah um, Charlotte says that John never even fades off calls for John then cries and walks off. Yeah. <laughs> it's a real moment. Yeah. And okay. Yeah. Charlotte is sometimes lucid, sometimes goes off into her dream world where she's reliving that night over and over again. And similar to baby Jane, there's a lot of arrested development there. Yes. Frankly, it was a little uh, more fun to watch with baby Jane because baby Jane yeah. was level 15. <laughs> and like arrested development at a much younger age. Yeah. Arrested development at like what? 18, 20. It's like, Okay. It's like okay, you're just a little, <laughs> you're just a little immature for your age, and a little and just flighty because you keep just thinking you're like mm-hmm. seeing John and hearing him speak to you. Right. Like it's more just kind of upsetting. Yeah, and you're right. I like the fact that you use the term. It's more upsetting because it's true. For this one, it wasn't like this delicious camp I was biting my teeth into. It was more an experience of, oh Jesus, this poor fucking woman. I think it's very it's a very interesting different take on sort of similar subject matter right and um yeah it's just uh just an interesting view on it it's not as um kind of engaging as as whatever happened to baby jane though true you're like left a little like all right sure Mm -hmm. that happened 
So Miriam thinks she is deranged, but Drew says he can't. She can't be committed, and Drew says he regrets having left Miriam. So they had the relationship. And Miriam says there's no time for regrets. And Drew and Miriam go outside. Miriam says uh, Charlotte let the place go, and it's like falling apart. And Drew says that a part of Charlotte's mind never let John go. So there's a lot of the stuff that we were kind of talking about. And he gives her a gun, saying it's for protection from the people that might come onto the property. And he says he could stay the night and protect her and, like, fuck her, I guess. And mm. she says, hey, no, I'm good. Yeah, um, it's like... This is her on the cheek and he leaves. Yeah. I like how I Miriam think, does look at him and go, no. Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Yeah, bye. Bye. Um, so she starts to go back inside when she hears dogs barking. She stops. She looks over. There's, like... So there's a cemetery on the, the plantation land, which is where, like, a lot of Betty Davis's like, family and her father are buried. Um, so she looks out on that, and then she heads inside, locks the doors, and heads upstairs, and Charlotte's looking out the window. Miriam tries to, like, knock on her door, but it's ignored. Goes into her room, and the most important part of all this is to say that she finds her dress splashed up, hanging up in her closet. Um, and she's like, someone slashed my dress. Um, so Willis is looking over the papers. Apparently Charlotte's dad, Sam, used political ties to avoid charges from sticking to Charlotte for the supposed murder. Allegedly. And then... (laughs) Yes. Allegedly. And then we cut to Miriam running into Jewel, and Jewel tells Miriam that murder begins with vicious tongue and for her to get away from her. So I guess they don't like each other. We'll find out why. Yes. And this is one of those scenes where at first you think, why is this? Oh, oh, okay. Okay. They do a pretty good job of sort of slowly. Yes. Letting everything kind of develop over time, which is like a nice slow cook. I agree. I like it. That's the part that I kind of miss from older movies is that we get so like, Everything's like, blah, 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 here. Mm-hmm. this is like a slower un- reveal for everything. I still think they should develop more relationship between the two women, but that's fine. <laughs> <what I> mean. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Mira returns home and finds Charlotte yelling at Thelma and like throwing shit at her from upstairs. <laughs> and I was like, mm-hmm, I like it. Every casual day at the house. And then Thelma like says that Charlotte is nothing but a child. Like now we're just stating what this movie is doing. And I was right. a little like, all right. You yeah. don't have to state that. It's okay. Yeah, we don't really need to like handed to us mm-hmm. on a silver platter. Like she's a child, like, you know, like in whatever happened to baby Jane, mm-hmm. but like different. And this is the spiritual <laughs> sequel to that movie. We're also in black and white and dealing with psychological thrillers, you know, two women. And here's a servant, Velma Alvira, a very, lo- a very loyal servant to the point oh, where sorry. it's destructive. Like, Sorry, guys, we get it. It's like I'm so sorry. It's like Velma gets out a PowerPoint or slideshow presentation. (laughs) Like she rolls it on the third act. (laughs) (laughs) She goes into the right, goes into the closet, pulls it out. (laughs) Okay, yeah. (laughs) I also my death could have also been prevented if I had just run away. Yeah. But I don't. Behind me. <laughs> Apparently, none of us servants know how to do that. Right. <laughs> it's not in servant training to look behind you. No. Behind you. Um, so, Velma's so great, though. And she, oh, yeah. like, mocks Miriam as Miriam goes up the stairs. Yeah. <laughs> like, every time she mocks these people, I'm like... Oh, oh yeah, God. especially with Miriam, because she just, she's so cutthroat. Yeah, no, and, then, and Miriam is 
kind of just unlikable. Yeah. And that's, and I think that's intentional and they do a good job with that, that you don't like Miriam, even though she's putting on such a sweet facade. And I do give a lot of credit to the actress and the writers and director in that regard for her character. Because otherwise you would think she would be the protagonist, the hero of the piece, you know, Mm -hmm. like she's very of the time, very controlled. She seems to understand what's going on. She's, you know, put together, but she's very unlikable. Like you're just like, so Charlotte yells, I told you to stay out and chuck something at Miriam now. So she's just having a good time throwing things. Oh yeah. When you have a mansion, that's what you do. Yeah. I need a mansion. I need to throw things at people. Right. Um, And then she slams her door. And, her, and then Miriam heads to Charlotte's room. Miriam's not having any of this, which I really, at this part I kind of like. Miriam's like, no, fuck you. Yeah. Miriam says that Charlotte is throwing a fit over a magazine that covered the murder, and Miriam calls it cheap and disgusting, and only cheap and disgusting people read it. <laughs> and then Charlotte goes on to blame. So Charlotte's just like in this mind-stuck place where she just blames Jewel for everything. So she's blaming Jewel for the magazine being in the mailbox. Aaron says that Jewel's in town um, and is way too sick to be running around like delivering mail and shit like that. Like none of this is her fault. And then she says that Jewel may not have given Charlotte a thought for years. And then Charlotte counters that this counters this with like an arm full of letters <laughs> that were from uh, from all over the place. But the first was from in town, and so was the last one, telling her that she's like awful, a murderess, etc. They know what they know what she did last summer. You know all of that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then Dama comes in to tell her like <laughs> packing people have arrived downstairs. So a bunch of black people have helped to come and pack her up. Yeah. Guys, it's a very different time. <laughs> this is, and just like whatever happened to baby Jane, it's very important to point out with this movie, it was only made a few years after. So this is another movie where you get a glimpse into how times were yet again, not that long ago. And it's not great because they're all playing the help essentially. Yeah. Um, so then Velma comes in oh, so Velma hands her a note that says murderous on it as she's leaving and Miriam simply gives her the dirtiest look and just simply drops it and leaves yeah. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. see this is what I wanted more of between those two and her and Charlotte like yes this is this is what I want from her and Charlotte exactly. I, don't, I mean I love Velma Velma's so fucking great yeah. but I'm like where's this between these two women what's happening I want that tension that catty tension it's yeah it's missing so we cut to willis and wills whatever her name is and jewel it's it's the the british guy and jewel and they're outside her home talking and jewel doesn't usually take interviews and jewel is on her way out the door basically she's gonna die yeah and jewel has a note that she gives uh to willis that she asks for him to wait until she's dead to open that's basically the scene yeah that's it that night miriam wakes up to a voice and heads out with a gun the voice is Charlotte singing and crying at the piano. And Miriam says she should come to bed. And Charlotte thought that John was here. Mm-hmm. It, and then she says, it's not real. Like, uh, Miriam's going to turn on the light. And Charlotte says, don't do that. It's not real in the light, only in the dark. And I was like, oh, God. I love that line. The line's great. And, and the way she delivers it is oh. really fucking good. Betty Davis, man. Seriously. And something this movie does so well is the atmosphere. It beautifully captures that southern gothic atmosphere especially later when there's thunder rolling and wind blowing and everyone's running around in their beautiful nightgown seeing what's wrong i'm like yes i love this all more of this please 
the cinematography is fucking great. Yeah. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. So, but like a door opens or something opens and a light hits a cleaver in hand that are on the floor. Mm. And Charlotte screams, he's dead! (laughs) And runs upstairs. (laughs) Miriam runs after her. And then some time seems to pass and Miriam comes back down, but the hand and cleaver are missing and the door is still locked. Bum, bum, bum. We cut to the next morning. And Charlotte comes downstairs, and they're, all the packers are staring at her, and she tells them to stop looking at me! <laughs> <laughs> she then goes into the room she was in last night, and the hand and cleaver still aren't there. But there is an indent where the cleaver was. Mm-hmm. So then Charlotte goes out to the graveyard to, like, put some flowers for her father or whatever, and Willis approaches her and apologizes for bothering her. And Willis says he came from London to meet her. He was in London when she was there. He's playing off like he's an investigative reporter type. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they never officially met. He says that she is, um, that she is, oh, she is there, uh, still like a living mystery that he wants to solve. And Willis like charms her into having like a little conversation with him. So Charlotte asks if, if he thinks she's a murderer. And he was like, he doesn't really answer. Mm-hmm. And then she, uh, he was like, they say something about being crazy, and she's like, she used to be almost positive she wasn't crazy, but lately at night, she's not so sure. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so she brings him in for a tour of the house, and they run into Miriam. And Charlotte sees one of the helpers with her music box, and this name's, take your hands off that! Yeah, the music box, I don't know if it's exactly three, but it's a reoccurring beat with the music box. It echoes yeah. a lot in the movie. That is a sore point for her. It's her last memory of John, basically. Yeah. It has the recording, sort of, of the song that he wrote for her. It's a little unclear what happened there, but obviously he loved her a lot. Yeah. And, um, you give that to me? Give that to me! She says, and she chases all the helpers out, and Miriam asks what happened, and Willis says, you have nothing to hide. Uh, Charlotte says, yes, I do. My sinful lover's hand is here, and opens the music box, and there's nothing in it. Yeah. She's trying to freak people out, basically. But it starts playing, and she cries. It's all she has left of him. Miriam says she that um, that he should go. And Miriam asked Alma who put the box in there. And Alma's like, I don't know. It was me. I don't know. <laughs> no idea. Uh, she's like, that's really weird. I have no idea who put the box in there. That would have totally triggered Charlotte. It was me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, mm, okay, Velma. Okay. Yeah. So Velma's playing like her own. Or I'm sorry, do you mean Miriam? Do you think it was Miriam or do you think it was Velma? <sighs> Just because Velma is so loyal? Yeah. Yeah, I think, honestly, I do think it was Miriam. I do. Yeah. Because Miriam. That may make more sense. Because Miriam has been playing the long game with Charlotte. So especially now that she's here in person, I think she would be taking every opportunity to just fuck with her and trigger her as much as possible. That's true. That's yeah. true. Yeah, I guess that would make more sense. Yeah, because Velma's um, like loyal AF. And any chance that Miriam has to place the blame on Velma, even if it's not her fault, mm-hmm. she'll take it. Exactly. So that's like another thing that I'm sure she was playing off of too. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense to me. Yeah. So that night, there's a storm, and Charlotte is running around. I love this scene so much. It's beautiful. And she sees a figure, and the door blows open, and she hears the piano playing, and she goes into the piano room, and she calls for John. Miriam awakens, and she closes the window, and she hears a shattering from the piano room downstairs so she comes in and all the mirrors are smashed around it's charlotte a great scene yeah 
it's beautifully shot. You guys should watch this movie just for the shots and right. the setups alone. They're mm-hmm. really really well done. It is absolutely worth a watch because like you've been saying, the cinematography is fantastic and there is a lot of merit to it. We're just, yeah. it's just, We're just being nitpicky bitches. That's yeah. what we do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, another thing about this scene and which is why I love it is the women are wearing these gorgeous flowing nightgowns running down the hallways, running down the stairs and they're just like flowing behind them. And it always makes me think of how in movies that's a thing. That's such a common trope. They did that in Haunting of Hill House. You know, everyone's running around in a gorgeous nightgown. And I always think, okay, all these women now apparently still (laughs) have these beautiful, beautiful gowns. And like, I'm usually wearing like some shirt from Comic-Con I got like 10 years ago. And it's like, (laughs) I know I'm like, I sleep naked. So (laughs) watch like like, running around, like running around, my dick just flopping around. (laughs) It's fine. It's fine. You guys, it's fine. It's flowing in the wind. There you can see. Well, at least you have something to flow in the wind. <laughs> my hair and my penis. Yeah. Okay. So Charlotte turns <laughs> and her arm is cut. And she says that Papa was there. And <gasps> he was naked. And his dick was flopping around. No, it's not. No, that's disgusting. Yeah. And then <laughs> Miriam, like, leads her back upstairs. <laughs> Sorry. Try not to picture it. Try not to picture it. And then um, the morning comes and Drew and Miriam wake Charlotte and tell her that they're going to pack her up and it's time to go. Mm. Um, Otherwise, she'll be forced off her property with cops and reporters Mm. and dogs. And and Charlotte doesn't remember what happened last night and doesn't want Jewel to see her leaving. And like... Miriam's like, no one gives a fuck you have to leave anyway. What are you talking about? Let's just go. Let's go. Let's go. (laughs) Um, so Velma's on the phone, um, trying to get in touch with Willis, but Miriam enters and Miriam says that Velma will no longer be needed. So this is very much a replica yeah. of whatever happened to Baby yeah. And is- that's another reason why it's inevitable to compare these two, aside from the fact that same director, both have a very similar style, aesthetic. There's a lot of similar stuff with the story the lawyer structurally yeah just structur- on a structural level it's like uh-huh, yeah, yeah it's so familiar. it's you can't at least i can't help but compare the two yeah i think it's inevitable and it's really easy to do because this yeah. is like almost a beat for like this scene in particular it's like yep so velma's getting fired yeah by this is another Very one easy. where instead of velma having the slideshow it's miriam having the slideshow of okay i'm going to fire you you're probably going to pretend like you're fired and come back eventually and you're going to get murdered exactly yeah the, yeah just watch the scene from whatever happened to like, baby jane take notes You'll know what to do okay yeah. great you, you're taking notes why aren't you taking notes yeah sit down yeah. um so miriam says certain tricks are reason enough to fire her and velma says i never did any tricks to you or your dress and miriam says it's a real weird. Miriam says uh, she never mentioned the dress to anyone. Mm. And Velma says she knows that Miriam is trying to stiff her out of the money Charlotte promised her when she dies. And Velma's like, oh, that's the only reason you're here, isn't it, for the money? And Velma also says that she saw the bills coming in for Miriam, and she knows she's in debt, and Miriam is fucked. And Velma tries to go upstairs with Miriam and Drew stop her and basically, like, chuck her out the yeah. door. We get to, we, a lot is revealed, so we get to find out that Miriam is definitely after something. Oh yeah, she has a bunch of bills piling up, and and at this stage, like, if you don't know what's coming, you're guessing like, okay, well maybe Miriam is like looking to replace Velma, 
Right. And become the benefactor and take all the money, basically. Absolutely. Okay, I have to ask you a question. I think this is about a good time to ask it. The first sure. time you watched yes, it... Yes, I am gay, Giselle. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so the first time you watched it, did you have a suspicion as to who the real murderer was? I really thought it was going to be Miriam. Same. Okay. So that's who I thought. I mean, because like, it was very, like, I was like, oh, it's like whatever happened to David Jane. It's not going to be okay. blah, blah, blah. It's going to be blah. It's going to be this okay. sister, Which, quote unquote, cousin. I had the same experience, but I was just curious if you had yeah, that. Yeah, I, okay. I think even after not having watched it for a while, I was like, I think, is Miriam the murderer? Like, I couldn't even remember. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, is that what happens? Like, mm-hmm. so the ending was sort of a twist for me, which I thought was kind of nice watching it again. But mm-hmm. we'll, we'll get there. So Dama meets Willis. She wants him to go and talk to Charlotte about leaving the house. And Emma says if she leaves, she'll never see her again. And Willis agrees that it is odd. And But they don't really, he doesn't seem to agree to go and talk to her, though. Yeah, he's intrigued, but not enough to actually pursue it. Yeah, like he doesn't want to come in between, I guess, family stuff if it's like not something that's going to actually develop to anything. Right. Which I kind of get. Like he's like, yeah, it's weird, but like what? So Miriam is in Charlotte's room helping her pack and Charlotte goes downstairs and speaks to her papa's portrait. And Charlotte says she shouldn't have murdered John. So this is sort of like another like misleading thing. Like now we're supposed to think that, I mean, we kind of could have been led to believe that Charlotte's dad killed John. That's very plausible as well. True. But, you know, you definitely think, I'm like, it's one of the women. It has to be. <laughs> I'm like, fuck you. It's one of the women. Yeah. Get out of here. It's like, stop it. Stop it. Stop the red yeah. herring. Stop. <laughs> We're not dying it. None, none of the men killed this guy. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. And then uh, she hears a knock at the door. She opens it. It's a photographer. And they take all these multiple pictures of her with the flash oh. on. She looks horrified. So sad. Uh, it's pretty funny. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I like the, the shocked poses because... <gasps> Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. with, with the hands up, very theatrical, glorious Swanson. Yeah, it was really, yeah, it was exactly. It was really good. And then Miriam, Miriam appears at the top of the stairs. And what is it, Charlotte? And she's holding a box. And the box opens. And a head pops out and rolls down the stairs, landing at Charlotte's feet. And Charlotte proceeds to faint immediately, yeah. which makes absolute sense to me, too. Yes. Did you know that they managed, I think they managed to get this shot in one take. Shut up. That's what I heard. Wow. That they're like, they're like, oh, we're really going to have to like, this is going to be a big prep session. Cause I mean, how are we going to get it to land right at her feet? We're going to have to do this multiple times. It's going to be all wow. like, boom, boom, bam, done. How serendipitous. I was like, what? I was like, I don't know if that's true, but that's, I heard that that's what happened. I like it. I like it. Cool. I'm like, that's great. Yeah. I mean, the head looks fake. But we find out later right. that, it, <laughs> that, it, that it is fake. So, great. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> we cut to Charlotte in bed with Miriam and Drew, like, talking over her, and she's drugged. And they're basically, like, talking about the fake head. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, you're blah, 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 does great job on this fake head. All this stuff. And following that, this is the reveal scene of nefarious intentions. I've been drugging her this whole time to make her see things. <laughs> so Miriam asks if it's been enough. And Drew says, not yet. And Miriam says they have to move forward with the rest of the plan then to get her committed. <gasps> And then get ownership of the estate in a few days after that. So basically, Miriam wants to have 
that Charlotte, Betty Davis, committed and put it away. Mm-hmm. And then file a claim, I guess, for the ownership of the estate because obviously she's not able to take care of it anymore. So she will get all the money, the house, everything mm-hmm. in her name. So she will own it all. Yeah. Because Mary of Charlotte is fucking rich as shit. And she can move out at any time. Yeah, she just doesn't want to. She doesn't want to. So Miriam enters with food and tells her, uh, tells Charlotte, oh, this is later. Miriam enters with food and tells Charlotte that she fired Velma. Velma, meanwhile, stands downstairs, but knocks something over, and Miriam hears her. I'm like, Vel- it's such a weird setup, too, because Velma's just standing there, and then her arm just springs out, and she knocks over something. Yeah, I was like, like, what are we doing? <laughs> What's it's happening? Like, it's like they didn't rehearse that one or think it through. They were like, just, just fucking knock it over. <laughs> Agnes, listen, we just need to like, make some noise. She's like, all right. Yeah. It's like, we, we filmed that, but she doesn't know that. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> Velma's extremely clumsy. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Yeah, it's, it's a part of your character. Yeah, and her arm just swings out randomly at times. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. So then she, oh, and then Mary, like, help, hears the noise, comes downstairs, picks up the container, puts it, like, puts it back on the table or whatever, and, like, exits. And then Velma sneaks upstairs and finds Charlotte all drugged up. And this is very, again, yeah. whatever happened to me. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, I'm like, what is this? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. Incapacitated, yeah. I mean, imagine being an actor in this and being like, so this is just what they did before you guys so this time i'm in the bed okay all right all right cool yeah so velma sneaks upstairs and finds charlotte drugged up velma oh is like getting her coat and will try to get charlotte out basically and she hears something and then hides uh, miriam enters and takes the tray like she had just given her the tray i'm like maybe give her like five seconds to eat the food i know right she's down. like you had enough yeah it's time but notices that, like, the drug is missing. Like, mm. Velma had picked it up when mm-hmm. she'd come in, but she just exits, though, like, pretends to leave. And Velma comes out of the closet and tries to get, <laughs> and haven't I been there, coming out of the closet. <laughs> <laughs> and then she tries to get Charlotte to come with her. Miriam throws Velma. Oh, so Miriam comes back in, like, throws Velma out of the room. Velma threatens to tell people in town what Miriam has been up to with the drug and all this stuff. And then Miriam shoves Velma down the stairs. Yep. And it's very, like, uh, death becomes her. Yeah, I was totally thinking that. This grandiose staircase, absolutely. And it's another one where Velma, just just run away. Don't don't tell her your plan. This is not the time for the slideshow. Now you just run away. She's like, I want to take this drug that I'm holding in my hand. Exhibit A. Yes. I'm going to run to town. Tell them what you're doing here in this room over here charlotte like just leave agnes go <laughs> come on it's so hard to watch so velma's dead yeah super dead <laughs> killed her she's dead at the bottom of the stairs Miriam comes down and is about to like grab the drug but then stops herself and she like calls drew instead so this part reminded me of, of death becomes her just <laughs> exactly like death yes becomes right <laughs> What was the plan again? <laughs> exactly. Drew's like, well, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> the Drew says that no one will ever know it wasn't an accident. So then we cut to Willis at the funeral home and he's asking about Belma and he wants to know how it happened. And he's told like she fell off a ladder and that Drew brought her in. Totally not suspicious. You know, it's interesting. It's like, there's like nobody examining the body. Like, don't know that she fell and then was moved to under a ladder. Right, right. To look like she fell off a ladder. I'm like, guys, 
Anyway, fine. Um, that night, both Drew and Miriam... This part was funny to me. Both torment Charlotte, but they're both like, Charlotte! Oh, yeah. Charlotte! Yeah. <laughs> like, what's this? It's very funny. Behind <laughs> the scenes. Out. Like, welcome to a behind-the-scenes uh, special of us tormenting this woman. He stands over there. The acoustics are really good. I stand over here. He's going to play the tune in a way that provokes melancholy. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Yeah. So Drew is singing Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte, which I tried to do before. Don't ask me to do it again. Thank you. No <laughs> uh, requests. And then Charlotte wakes and calls for John, and she goes into the piano room and Drew like quickly leaves before he can see before she can really see him and she's like looking for him and then she plays a bit and she pulls up the piano seat and finds the gun and we have this weird vision session flashback scenario we're never told exactly the drug that he's been giving her against her will let's call it narconal let's just go with <laughs> all right he's been giving her that narconal another side yeah. effect is we becomes her scenario yeah. you know little and, narconal and situation aside for making you sleepy it apparently also makes you hallucinate so she has this very fevered dream hallucination of that night the jamboree the dancing john is there papa john, is there john is there bruce dern yeah. and so it's betty playing her younger self basically mm-hmm. and they they do a good job making her look youngish well yeah and also because of her acting the way she's holding herself she's wearing a much cleaner newer looking dress instead of something a little more dilapidated yeah um and she does she looks great and mm-hmm. then um she's dancing with john in her mind with music playing and then her dad appears walking ominously towards her and john backs away and then runs and she turns and sees her father and then the room is empty then John is back, and she bows and sees a handless, headless corpse. <laughs> this part cracked me up. This shit was funny. No, no, it is. It is. No, I totally get that. She lifts the gun. She takes aim at the no head that's there and shoots yeah. several times. It has to be pointed out how lucky they were that that worked out so beautifully that she decided to shoot the headless, handless corpse instead of freaking out and running away. With her yeah. bouquet, which with what she thought was a bouquet. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot going on. Yeah. Like, they're looking at a lot of things. They're yeah. like, okay, great. Yeah. Like, oh, thank God. And then the mirrors shatter again, and then we're, like, back in present day. Miriam runs in, and Charlotte's standing over Drew, dead. Mm-hmm. And uh, Miriam calls Charlotte a wretched idiot, and that she killed him. This is when I started to like Miriam. Me when too. When the veil <laughs> of sweetness is lifted, and she's just like, oh, you fucking moron god damn it i'm like yes this yes. i like because she's got to push her she's just got to keep pushing her over and over and yeah. she's like mm-hmm, yeah and you can tell at this yeah. point she's like i'm on a timeline right now i need you to be fucking crazy so can you just like be more crazy and go along with my fucking timeline that i spent a long time working on please yeah i need you. your money like yesterday yeah. so yeah. if you go crazy faster that'd be great yeah. for me yeah i've been super patient and i don't appreciate this okay yeah can yeah. we speed it up thank yeah. you yeah uh, Miriam begins to call the cops and Charlotte tries to stop her and Charlotte says that they have to hide the body and that Charlotte has a lot of money that she can give her and um, Miriam concedes to helping out the goodness of her heart and for her money. And I like Olivia de Havilland's acting in this particular scene because the first time I watched it, I thought, oh, maybe their plan got screwed up with yeah. Charlotte shooting him. 
And she's just like, okay, well, this is plan B. If she's going to bribe me, fuck it, I'll do it. But then, of course, later when you realize how elaborate it was, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, she says, um, I wish I had never come back here. And you start to think, like, oh, boy, she really wishes she hadn't come back Exactly. Here. Yeah. No, Olivia's really... This is when Olivia's really just doing her shit. And yeah. You're like, this is, like, this is the stuff that she was more excited about, I think. Exactly. Doing. She's like, oh, okay, cool. Miriam and Charlotte are dragging the body to put it in the car, and it's, like, all wrapped up in a rug. Yeah. Tied up. Um, but there's a knock at the door, and Miriam tells Charlotte to stay quiet. And she answers the door. It's Willis, and he says he heard about Velma and was passing by and wanted to check in on Charlotte and saw the lights on, blah, blah, blah. And Miriam says that she gave her a sedative and put her to bed. And she is upset, but she's fine. Yeah. And while they're talking, Charlotte sees the body of Drew, like, falling over fully. <laughs> and Miriam says goodnight and gets Willis to leave. And they, um, and then the body falls at the same time the door shuts. Yeah, that so was good. Like, it was good. And then they get the body in the car and drive out with Drew in the back seat. And Charlotte says, she can't touch him. She can't touch him. And Miriam drags her out and says, do what I say. <laughs> Great. This fucking Miriam, I am all about. Boss bitch, let's get this shit done. Yeah, it was very, very amusing. I like this a lot. Um, and then they start to drag him out and untie and roll him down the hill. And he lands in the bottom up in the water. And we get, like, this great, creepy mm. shot. Did you ever see the movie um, Carnival of Souls? Uh, fuck yeah. Yeah. That, didn't that remind you of, like, all the zombies yeah. under the water? And it's like... Mm-hmm. You know, like about to come up. We should talk about Carnival Souls. Yes, I love that movie. Yeah. Well, we're going to do that at some point. Yeah. I'm going to write it down. But, <laughs> <laughs> I'm very excited about it. I'm like, let's start talking about this and start talking about Carnival Souls. But, uh, no, Carnival Souls, you guys watch Carnival Souls. Yeah. So, so then on the ride back, Charlotte is whimpering and Miriam says, Will you stop that? Oh. It's so good. Yeah, when she starts telling her off and then later when she starts giving her that quiet, angry speech, I just thought, yes, this is the fucking Miriam I want to see. I wish I had seen more of this. And Olivia de Havilland killed it in that scene. This is the shit that I'm sure she read and was like, okay, I'll do this. Mm-hmm. This is fine. You know what I mean? Like, this is the shit that's going to be fun. This beginning stuff is whatever. It's like, I'll like, just like shit's fun. <laughs> walk through that and then get to the good stuff. Yeah, exactly. So Charlotte says she won't be able to answer questions and she's going to give them all away. And blah, blah, blah. And then finally Miriam smacks her. Okay, so I counted this. Six times! <laughs> <laughs> and then says, damn you, now will you shut your mouth? And I was like, yeah, I like it. I loved it. Olivia De Havilland smacking the shit at Betty Davis. I'm like, okay, twice on Sundays. Love yeah. This. So Miriam says she will never suffer for Charlotte again. So this, like... Yeah, it's a great line, but like also it's sort of like, yeah, but did you suffer for her? What's happening? Everything we were stating before, it's a great line, but sadly it's unfounded because not enough was established. Exactly. It's just sort of like, all right. And like, I think the upside to like having someone like Joan Crawford in the position of Olivia de Havilland is that you get to kind of draw on the real world, you know, stuff to sort of fill in the blanks. Absolutely. And that's what added a certain je ne sais quoi to Baby Jane. We even talked about it. You just don't have that here. You know that Betty Davis and Olivia de Havilland are, like, besties. Oh, yeah, they're besties. Okay, so when, really quick factoid, when Olivia de Havilland was cast, when she replaced Joan Crawford, they did apparently a very publicized, celebratory little occasion together where they were reading the scripts and then drinking Coca-Colas. 
oh my god but because Joan Crawford was married to yes. Pepsi Cola guy yes. who we definitely covered in Mommy Dearest but yeah that's hilarious and um, sounds just like what Betty Davis would do yeah I just thought god you petty bitch god damn you I love you yeah you're a fucking conniving little bitch and I love it yeah. it's so good mm-hmm. it's so good and Susan Sarandon sometimes her politics make you want to punch her in the face but no she, she's really good no. at did a great job as Betty Davis. Sometimes yeah. the white feminism is a little strong, and I just want to be like, mm. "Stop it! Stop it!" Yeah, yeah. Oh boy! But yeah. enough said on that front. Um, mm-hmm. So they arrive at the house, <laughs> and she says, uh, "She tells Charlotte to go up to her room, and Marion is going to clean the back seat." And Charlotte enters and start, starts up the stairs and stops and like cries for a moment, and then crawls up the rest of the way. <laughs> you see. She's so this, pathetic. This horrific, quote-unquote, shot of Drew at the top of the stairs, back from the dead. Oh, muddy from oh, the bayou. Muddy and seaweedy. It's hilarious. Yeah. It, this this cracked me up. And he, like, smiles at her. And, like, this, again, it reminds me of Carnival of Souls. It's, I don't know when Carnival of Souls came out. I'm going to have to look it up. But it, prob- it probably came out. I mean, yeah. it came out. Yeah, it had to. So it, it just was real funny when he, like, reaches out a hand and she's like mm-hmm. and then proceeds to backtrack tell the steps yeah. like real quick <laughs> almost pulling like a linda blair and actually yeah course, i like the backwards crawling like shit 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 like you yeah and so she gets to the bottom and is muttering to herself and like pretty much is lost it at this point and miriam comes in and sits beside her and goes hush hush sweet charlotte and i was like mm-hmm I loved it. Yeah. I was like, uh-huh. You fucking bitch. You can tell it. in her master plan that she's been scrapbooking and organizing for years. The very last one with the gold stars around it was the <laughs> say in a creepy way, hush, hush, sweet Charlotte. Sweet Charlotte. Yeah, she has one of those mirrors, like Goldie Hawn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everything goes back to Dead Pick Up Everything. Yeah. She's like, and Hush, Hush, Sweet Charlotte will go there. Good, mm-hmm. love it. Okay, great. Over there will be, yeah, Drew mm-hmm. pretending to be dead, like zombie. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, so we cut to Miriam done up heading downstairs, and she finds Drew. And Miriam's Miriam sent all those notes to Charlotte. The one, so we find out like that she's like written all those crazy, like, you're a murderess. I know what you did last summer. You know, don't tell my sister what the contents is of this note. Right, yes. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> all the notes, basically, that we've ever covered in any of our, in yes. all of our podcasts. Mm-hmm. Every note in the world has been written by Miriam. And the one good thing that, that ever happened for Miriam in that house was seeing Jewel go out to that summer house that evening. And so she paid Miriam handsomely for that. And mm-hmm. Drew is shocked <gasps> and drinks more. Yeah. And Jewel killed John. So what do you think about that twist? Do you like that twist? I did like that twist because I was so focused on Miriam that it didn't even occur to me that, oh yeah, Jewel, with her note, her I know what you did last summer note to. (laughs) Exactly. I thought the note would be, I don't know, something about Miriam being the killer or something. For some reason I thought maybe... She wanted Charlotte to feel like she lost her mind all these years, and she really knew that Miriam had killed her, but she was, like, using it as a way to just drive Charlotte further and further around the bend. I had the exact same suspicion. So, um, so, oh, Charlotte emerges on the balcony, like, overhears 
what their planning was. And Drew says um, the estate institution is coming in the morning to collect Charlotte. And Miriam says she'll have to act with abject misery and having a member of the family locked up in the local madhouse. And I love how they're saying this. They're having this wonderful, expository, fabulous cocktail hour after they've completed their nefarious plans. This is right after, say, hush, hush, sweet Charlotte. After that, it's champagne hour with our like beautiful yes. crystal glasses she had a special evening gown that she was probably just going to wear for that she got it special yeah no, there's a lot of similarities between her and goldie hahn and <laughs> death becomes her i'm just gonna keep drawing comparisons between her and death becomes you know her. the funny thing is i never compared those two movies before <laughs> it's just it's all there the bitch is dead Charlotte, I must speak to Charlotte at once. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. I like yeah. it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, they're all fucked up. Mm-hmm. So Charlotte, <laughs> so then it's like after she says that thing about the local madhouse, Charlotte just like drops a giant house plant platter on that. Yeah. <laughs> just pot. Just, okay. Yeah. Good. I um, liked it. It was simple, but elegant. It was simple. It was very simple. Yeah. Just, <laughs> I just like that moment of, well, fuck you. Push his yeah. pot. <laughs> <laughs> and the pot, like a big stone pot. Oh, it's freaking huge. It, it's big, guys. Yeah. It's not like a little, like, you have right. in your apartment. Although, wouldn't that be kind of funny, though, if it was just like this tiny potted plant? <laughs> like, how petty and ineffective would that be? They're just like, ow, what the... God damn it, Charlotte. Charlotte, I spent <laughs> a lot of money on my victory dress. God damn it. God damn it, Charlotte. <laughs> um, so Miriam sees it right before it crashes on them both, killing them. And then Charlotte just turns back and goes inside. Mm-hmm. That's the end of that scene. Yeah. So then we cut to the next morning, which I think may have been filmed by someone else. <laughs> a second unit. It felt very not well-directed it was weird it was this weird like close-up shot of one person's mouth and then like another person's face something they without a doubt did with this movie is try to add a hitchcockian flair to it i think those close-ups it made me think of hitchcock yeah but like not as well composed or as intriguing yeah it was just kind of like oh we're gonna do this now not any other place in the movie right okay yeah and we're not gonna have like any like I mean, they did do, I mean, they did so many great shots that I was just like, this one was weird to me. I was like, what's this? Why? Why? But it's like about just like this crowd muttering about what just happened. Like nothing like intriguing is happening. Like it's all stuff that we already kind of know. So I was like, okay, what's, why are we, what? So they're all just standing outside the house talking about all the death. And Jewel also apparently died from a stroke after hearing what happened. So then Willis arrives and says, what if, it was like talking to the photographer, annoying photographer guy, the paparazzi. Yeah. And says, what if Jewel didn't collect on her dead husband's insurance so a routine investigation would not uncover... I'm starting over. Um, so a routine investigation would uncover what happened. So basically what he's saying is, like, what if Jewel had killed him? Mm-hmm. And so she didn't collect on the insurance policy so no one would investigate how he died right? and would uncover that she had killed him. Charlotte emerges with the music box but stops and puts it down. When we see Charlotte this time, she's no longer wearing this clothing reminiscent of the 1920s. She's wearing modern fare. Her hair is much nicer, well-kept. Charlotte has her groove. Now it took like 50 (laughs) years, but she did it. Yeah, she's going to go have sex with a lot of young men. Yeah, as you do. Yeah, yeah. When you get your groove back, that's what you do. Yeah. But 
also raises the question if she just had like modern outfits being delivered to her that she just wasn't wearing. <gasps> That's true. Oh my gosh. How did she get those clothes? Maybe she stole it from Olivia de Havilland. She didn't. I was going to say, like, maybe they're Miriam's clothes. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, I you, actually really like that. You don't need this anymore. And besides, you were expecting me to pay for it eventually, so I'm going to own it. That's very true. So she poses for pictures, which is, like, something new. She doesn't do that. And her acting here is so great because when they're asking her to pose, the smile she gets on her face is one of pleasure. Like, okay, I'll pose. Okay. Yeah, sure. I can do this. Yeah, this is uh, fun. But she still feels a little uncomfortable. Like, uncomfortable. Yes. It's still a little, like, I'm a little, I don't like this, but I'll do it. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so she poses her pics, gets in the car, and Willis hands her the letter from Jewel, and her eyes widen in shock as she opens it, and then uh, drives off, and she's, like, waving the letter to Willis. Goodbye. I'm uh, waving to everybody. And then Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte's song plays as her car pulls away from the house, and we end with this, like, great shot of her pulling out of the driveway. Mm-hmm. So, so, what did you think? <laughs> <laughs> With everything, including all the nitpickety stuff we said, I still totally dick this movie. Honestly, between the two, I don't think it's as good as Baby Jane. I think it's still a very entertaining psychological thriller. I don't know. There's just something about that Southern Gothic setting. So how many music boxes Ooh, okay. would you give this movie? Uh, let's see. I think I would give this three out of five music boxes. Because, okay, I'll just regurgitate everything I just said. <laughs> yeah, no, I, think that makes, I mean, yeah, yeah, I think I'm right there with you. I think I was, I was, when we were talking earlier, okay, when we were talking about after whatever, whatever happened to Baby Jane, I had seen this movie so long ago, but I was like, oh, my memory of it is that this is really, really strong. And then rewatching it, I was like, oh, but it's not as strong as I right. thought it was. And it's not as strong as whatever happened to Baby Jane. Right. Like, it's just not. And so I was like, I was veering on the, I know I gave, I think we gave whatever happened to baby Jane, like three and a half. Right. So I was varying on two and three quarters and, or three music mm-hmm. boxes um, for this one as well. I think it's just because of all the things that we had talked about. I had an additional question for you. Yes. So Olivia de Havilland, do we think that she, uh, the character, mm-hmm. uh, Miriam. Miriam scratched up her own dress? I think so. I think she scratched up her own dress and then Velma, because she is the keeper of the house, probably at one point went into her room to do some housekeeping, saw the scratched up dress and went, okay, psycho. And that's how she knew about the dress. But then again, you see her come into her room by herself and go, someone scratched up my dress. That's true. That's a good point. I don't know. Maybe that was Velma's moment of petty, aside from handing her the note that said murderess. Said, Fine, <laughs> I'm going to fuck up your dress that you paid way too much money for. Yeah, it's a weird, I mean, that's a weird moment that Mm -hmm. you don't really get to ever get a clear answer on because it's like, why would she come into her room by herself to say that unless she thinks that maybe Charlotte will hear her, you know what I mean? So she can be like, I'm placing the blame on Velma again, or I'm, you know, saying like, oh, what a weird occurrence for this to have happened here, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? It's just, um, maybe she was getting into character like, okay, I'm going to, I'm setting the scene. These are my circumstances. I don't know that my dress is like this. Okay. Oh. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I'll let that one go. I mean, that's the, that to me is probably the biggest plot hole. Yeah. Well, no. Like, if we do that in movies anyway, where they're like, oh, but then you start peeling back that layer and you're like, that's the thing. No, totally. Um, great. Well, thank you, Giselle. That was fun. I love that yeah, movie. I think thank you. Next time, guys, we are going to talk about Aquaman. Yes. 
I'm so, excited to talk about Aquaman. I'm hoping well, that Jason Momoa is shirtless a lot. I... <laughs> <laughs> But um, thank you guys for um, listening. Please rate, review, subscribe, mm-hmm. tell your friends, tell all your Charlottes. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, spread the word. Yeah. Thank you yeah. so much, guys. And we will catch you next time. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Hi, guys. This is James. I'm here to annoy you about something that's really special to me. I'm an editor on a comic book called I Am Hexed that I promoted last time, but this is now the second issue, which is now up on Kickstarter. Yay! So if you go to imhext.com, uh, you can find the Kickstarter. It'll redirect you right to it. And this is a small reminder. It's a comic book about the ongoing political struggles of modern day witches. And it's just a continuing adventure of Charlie, Jaya and Florence and their magical endeavors going to be it's really really fucking fun it has great art and a great story i'm really excited about it yeah everyone please make sure to go and check it out it is such a cool fucking concept and the fact that it is continuing it's got so much support the first time around so yeah let's just keep that support going yeah we're already i mean we're already at 45 percent of the way there to getting funded so and we just launched like three days ago so we're really really excited about it so if we can keep that momentum going it'll be awesome please uh let everybody know that you can thank you great and what's the website again i am hexed.com i am hexed.com awesome make sure to check that out thank you so much guys all right (laughs) bye